Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, the podcast on how digital health is implemented around the globe and how technology is healing global healthcare worldwide. I am your host, Tiasha Zeitz, and this is a special edition of Faces of Digital Health because what I wish to share with you is not an interview, but an ins- inspirational keynote by Rasu Shresta, CEO at UPMC. Rasu kicked off the Future for Health conference during South by Southwest with a reflection on the barriers to innovation, implementation, and why everybody wants to innovate, but nobody really wants to change. I'm also publishing a short talk with the co-founder of Future for Health, Tom Mitchell, president of Messe Dusseldorf North America, who I talked to on stage at the Future for Health conference at South by Southwest, right before Rasu's keynote. So today, as mentioned, instead of an interview, you will hear a lecture. Enjoy the deep dive. Okay, so maybe just a few words before we begin about what Future for Health is. First of all, we come from Europe, and Tom... Oh, you do. Yeah, I do. I do. A lot of us do. Sure. So a lot of the team is from Europe, and Tom here is the co-founder, and basically the driving force behind Future for Health. So, Tom, quickly, what exactly is Future for Health, and what does it go under? Exactly. Okay, so my name is Tom Mitchell, and uh, the company that I'm with... Uh, it's called Messe Dusseldorf. So we're a, a German trade show organizer based in Dusseldorf, Germany. And we do, we're, we're in a lot of different silos in terms of the industries that we cover, but medical is one of our big silos. We have the largest medical uh, technology trade fair in the world in Dusseldorf, Germany. It's every year in November. It's 125,000 attendees and 5,000 exhibitors. So it's this massive show about everything that doctors, nurses, medical professionals use, the technologies that they work on. Future for Health, so FTR4H, we call it Future for Health, we created this as a community within our show in Germany, as well as the shows that we do around the world. So we have events in China, in India, uh, in Singapore, and we wanted to make a community of like-minded people in the digital health space that are working on technologies and ideas and thoughts that's disrupting the uh, status quo within healthcare today. How do startups and digital health solutions go together with the med tech industry mm-hmm. that uh, Mesa Dusseldorf is mostly doing? Sure. So just like a minute of history. So I've been at this for, for 25 years. And when I first started, the Medica show. He's one of the rare Americans that speak German. That is true. That <laughs> is true. But I, I, I guess I won't break into it here. Uh, when I started, we had uh, Medica was truly just a traditional trade show with the, the folks that manufactured product and the people who bought them. And as we, uh, in the last, say, five years, as we got more into this real community of, of what's going on in digital health, we wanted to bring a different clientele to Medica. So we wanted to have the developers, you know, the guys and girls running around in hoodies and sneakers who can work from anywhere and are working on technologies that are new to this space and that make digital health what it is now. And there are all kinds of conferences for that. You can go to a, probably a conference every day that's on digital health or, or in any country. But we wanted the folks at Medica to be exposed to something different. And startups now have a massive place in the healthcare space because they're making technologies that really um, are, are disrupting what some of the bigger companies have not been able to solve in terms of problems that we all face. So we wanted to bring that startup community together with the professionals who are looking to acquire technology, who are looking to work with innovative people. Uh, and that's what Future for Health is all about. So, in your view, um, what can startups, the energetic 
young companies learn from the robust, already existing, old, established companies? Well, I think you know, startups by by nature, and I'm you know I'm, I've never been a startup, but I've been exposed to it enough now to sort of be you know a little dangerous in knowing what they do. Startups have these great ideas, and they know what they want to do to solve a problem that they've identified, but they don't always have the resources, uh, they usually don't have the resources, and they don't have the right connections to bring that to fruition. So if you've got a great idea, but you've got no one to bring it to market to you, that's a problem. So you've got the folks over here with, with the, the structure and the money, and the folks over here with the ideas, and if they can come together and find a way to bring their products and their ideas to market, that's what we want to provide. So in the end of trade show, it's just a place for people to meet, and all of you here are going to sit down, you're going to listen to me, you're going to listen to others, you're going to go out there, and you're going to meet someone, at least one person, probably more, who is going to be something interesting for what you're doing. And that's really all we're trying to do. Medica is the biggest medical fair uh, in the world. Mm -hmm. Can you compare it in size to South by Southwest? Um, you know, it's interesting. South by is, you know, if you just take the trade show, I mean, this is a pretty massive space here in the convention center. But South by, by nature, is everything that's going on in, in hotels, in corporate bars and restaurants that everyone's taken over. You know, German House is in, a, is in a bar, and they have their own programming, their own content. So uh, while Medica is in, we are in 19 halls, we have a, a facility that's 3 million square feet, so it's massive, but it's all in a traditional trade show setting. South by, I think, is probably just as large, if not in numbers, but at least in scope, because of all the extra activities you've got here. And I think this is a... There's a word, in, the German word for trade show is, is Messe, and this is obviously a festival. So in Germany, they've actually started to use a word called Mestivals uh, to combine Messe and festivals because this idea of bringing people together but having all the different areas is really taking uh, traction in Europe as well. So maybe just the last question, what are your expectations uh, from South by Southwest? What can Future for Health take from it, and what can it give? I mean, my expectations really are fulfilled by what's happening right now. You guys are all sitting here listening to us and uh, talking together, hopefully after this, about with each other about what you can do in the digital health space. And if Future for Health can sort of be a hashtag around that to help you join the community, we have all kinds of partners to work with. Um, we just want to bring people together. And if a few of you can come to eventually to Mumbai or to Singapore or to China or to Dusseldorf, and then we repeat and everyone extends their network, that's what this is all about. Okay. Well, I think we can kick off the conference. I think so. May I just say that I'm super happy that so many of you showed up and are still listening to our program. The next thing on the program is a, a very inspiring talk on Everybody Wants to Innovate But Nobody Wants to Change by the Chief Innovation Officer from UPMC and the Executive Vice President of UPMC Enterprises, Rasu Shresta. Thanks very much. Good morning, everyone. Everyone's okay here? Excellent. So, look, I've titled my presentation today, Everybody Wants to Innovate, because don't we all? I mean, innovation is such a cool word. I mean, who doesn't want to innovate? My goodness. But, but then nobody really wants to change. That's the problem that we have today in healthcare. So if you think about one of the biggest challenges in healthcare today, I sort of condensed it into this one tweet that I sent out fairly recently. Most startups are in a hurry, and most of healthcare is not. Think about that. That's the biggest problem that we have as we're trying to ramp up innovation, as we're trying to say, let's go exponential, let's change the paradigm, let's blow stuff up 
and let's make sure that we redefine what the future of healthcare is. So as innovators, as entrepreneurs, startups, we're all in a hurry. The rest of healthcare, not so much. So my talk today is, how do we deal with that? How do we make sure that we're able to deal with the clash that happens between entrepreneurs and startups and innovators and all of us in the room and the rest of healthcare that clearly needs to move from where it is to where it needs to be, right? I've sort of condensed it and said, look, find the right collaborators who have shared vision and shared sense of urgency, because that's really important. And I included the comment from Mike over there. Mike's act, Mike actually works at Google, and he said this is the single best piece of advice I've heard for startups from the healthcare space. Um, so here's where we are, guys. The red dot is where you are right now, 2018, South by Southwest. You personally in your careers, perhaps, you and your companies, we in the industry here in healthcare particularly, we're at a strategic inflection point because we're all here because we've done some things. We've done some good things. We've, done some, we've made some right bets. We've perhaps partnered with some right individuals. We've seeded growth and we've enjoyed some level of growth. All right? Now, based on where you are, based on how you're able to capitalize on some of the dynamics that are all around you, based on the partnerships that you may or may not be able to build, based on the decisions that you may or may not be able to make, you will either enjoy an exponential growth or you will not. Today in healthcare, there are three massive tsunamis hitting us. One is the wave of digitization. We're more digital today than ever before. At UPMC, which is where I'm from, 30 petabytes worth of data today, doubling every 18 months. The second wave is this move from volume-based way of practicing healthcare to more of a value-based way of practicing healthcare. It's not just about let's fill up the hospital beds, let's scan that patient as many times as possible. That's not what it's about. It's about value, outcomes, satisfaction. What's in the best interest of that patient, that consumer that's at the other end? The third wave that's hitting us is technology whose time has come. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, everything that you're going to hear about in this session today and at South By and everything else, these are technologies that we didn't have at our disposal when we created Health 1.0. So how do we capitalize on all of this at that red dot, which is where we are, and take it to the very next level? And how do you all, how do you all, you all be part of that journey? Right, so there's a method to the madness. So very quickly, here's sort of the menu for you today. This is what I'll serve in front of you. Uh, we'll very quickly talk about challenging the status quo. I think that's really important. And in that, I'll tell you the UPMC story. Old world versus new world. I'm going to draw a picture in front of you and tell you, look, here's the old world, which is everything that you know about healthcare up to today. Here at South by Southwest, that would be the new, that's the old world. And everything else that I'll paint in front of you, which I hope you will embrace at some point and take with you, will be the new world. I'll talk a little bit about data as a basis of how we build this foundation, how we build this environment, how we build this dream, because that's really important as well. And then very quickly, I'm going to end it up with five nuggets, because you've got to summarize this, and you've got to have some take-home facts with you. All right, so as we go through this, do you agree? What's your model? What are your priorities? Don't just learn. Don't come to conferences to learn. Don't network to learn. 
unlearn as well. What are the things that you're going to unlearn so that you, you can redefine what your new world is going to look like? Right? That's really, really important. So really quickly, challenging the status quo. Complacency is your worst enemy. It is the biggest Achilles heel that we have in healthcare today. Complacency, especially, especially if you're successful. If you're successful, you become complacent. You say, look, all of that work, it got me to where I am today. It got this company to where it is today. It is blood, sweat, and tears that got me to where I am today. Why should I do anything differently? Complacency is your worst enemy, especially in healthcare. All right, a couple of quick examples, all right? Does anyone know what that is? Not a mainframe, but close. It's just a 5 MB hard drive. Just a 5 MB hard drive being transported by IBM in 1956. So clearly, ladies and gentlemen, the storage industry was not complacent because guess what happened? Not just an evolution, but a revolution in storage, right? The storage cost of one gigabyte back in 1981, $300,000. Back in 2004, a dollar. One dollar back in 2004. Today, it's free. You sign up for an account on Google or literally on any other platform, 15 gigabytes of storage for free. Here you go. Just have it. It's yours. They didn't choose to be complacent. Next, a city that chose not to be complacent. That's my city. I come from Pittsburgh. Steel and coal, right? Steel and coal were the big export commodities. This was the epicenter of the industrial revolution that built the United States of America to where it is today. 460 bridges in Pittsburgh, because we had a lot of steel, and we have lots of rivers. We said, all right, maybe we built bridges. <laughs> okay, that's the city of Pittsburgh. Steel and coal are not the export commodities of the city today. It's eds, meds, and technology. That's a picture I took from my car while I was getting to work and I was stuck behind two self-driving Ubers. I kid you not. Two self-driving Ubers. It says Bakery Square Boulevard. That's Bakery Square, which was the old Nabisco factory. That's where I actually work. So we may not have solved for the traffic light problem yet, but hey, self-driving cars, they're all over Pittsburgh. Uber, their self-driving car technology is headquartered in Pittsburgh. Argo AI, headquartered in Pittsburgh. Facebook acquired Oculus Rift, headquartered in Pittsburgh. There is so much stuff happening in Pittsburgh right now on artificial intelligence. Carnegie Mellon University, just a stone's throw away from my headquarters at UPMC Enterprises, world's first machine learning department. We're doing dynamic things with everyone collaborating, and I'll tell you more about this in terms of where we're taking things. Thirdly, a story of a health system that chose not to be complacent. On the top are three of our existing specialty hospitals in the city of Pittsburgh. And at the bottom is a vision that we recently announced of three specialty hospitals, three additional specialty hospitals that we'll be building in the city of Pittsburgh. Digital hospitals that will revolutionize the future of healthcare. But as a health system, as a payer and a provider system, our goal is not just to build hospitals. Our goal is to make sure that you, when you need care, and you perhaps end up in one of our hospitals, get life-changing medicine. Get the level of care that you need so that we maximize 
the technology, the medicine, the science on you, personalize it to you, and get you out of the hospital as quickly as we can so that you would never have to see any one of our beautiful hospitals ever again. Heads in beds, which is a metric, by the way, that health systems use today, hospital systems use today, is not the metric of the future. We want you out of these hospitals, but when you need care, and we know you will, because we're all human beings, we're advancing science, we're advancing technology, we're advancing innovation like nobody's business. A quick video to show you the ambition that we have in terms of life-changing medicine. There are days for dreaming, days for wishing. Today, we build. Not just walls and halls of medicine, but whole new ways of delivering patient-centered care. and things yet unimagined. Today, at UPMC, we build the future and make life-changing medicine happen. Bold, audacious, willing to change, not willing to be complacent. That's what we need more of. But how do we do this? Because I believe that the future of healthcare is going to be built on the shoulders of the strongest of partnerships. And that's what we're all here to talk about. How do we bring the best and brightest together and build those bridges and build into that future? So we're a large system, $20 billion in annual revenue with the largest employers in the state of Pennsylvania. But what's interesting for us is not just the fact that we have a lot of hospitals and more yet, as you heard, that we'll be building, but the fact that we're also a payer system a health insurance group. And I say this because the yin and the yang of the payer and the provider, right? Provider organizations are hospital systems, your doctor's offices, a family practice, the emergency department. Provider systems traditionally have been like pushing this volume-based paradigm forward. Payer systems, on the other hand, right, they insure you and they're like, look, we, we would like to perhaps take your, um, your monthly premiums and maybe you, know, you should never fall sick ever again because we'd like to keep that. That's how insurance works. The yin and yang of the payer and the provider positions us perfectly, to be quite honest, in thinking about the future of healthcare, not from a patient-centric perspective, and you've heard a lot of how we need to be a lot more patient-centric. I think that's important. I think patients, they're a North Star. They really are. But it shouldn't just be patient-centric. It should really be person-centric. Think about this. Person-centered care. Because we don't want to just focus on the patient that's in the hospital. Healthcare shouldn't just be about survival. Healthcare should be about thrival, right? So how do we do this? This is how UPMC is organized. We've got the health insurance services group. We've got the, the provider services group. We have international and we have UPMC enterprises, which is where I park my car every day. You saw the building earlier. That's Bakery Square, which is the headquarters for UPMC enterprises, our innovation and entrepreneurship arm at UPMC. 
We put serious capital after serious ideas. We put our money where our mouth is, right? But at the same time, I, I'll tell you, we're all of the above and none of the above. Hi, Karen. <laughs> all of the above and none of the above. It's important for us to have audacious ideas, but what's more important for us is to have the right skill sets, the right collaborators, the right talent. It's patients, clinicians, entrepreneurs, all of us coming together around those big, hairy, audacious ideas and saying, let's change the future of healthcare. What's also really important for, is for us to focus. We have key focus areas, four key focus areas. Translational science, this is saying, all right, let's take all of the great science that's happening at the University of Pittsburgh and at the academic, the research rigor that we have, and translate that into commercial success, into success that you will be able to see in your bedsides. Improving outcomes, all the way from the N of one, when I as a clinician am treating you as a patient, to the N of many, where we're looking at population health and we're trying to risk stratify po patient populations and say, all right, how do we make the best judgment for you who also happens to be a diabetic, who also happens to live in a certain zip code, who also happens to have a certain type of a receptor that may or may not, right? So it's really important for us to find that right balance and improve outcomes. Consumer, we're all over this at South by Southwest in technologies and applications around the consumer. But it's not just about an app, it's not just about a device, it's not just about the cloud or the platform, right? It's about changing the business model to where we go from bricks and mortar hospitals to patients' homes, where they eat, work, live, and play, where care is moving away from what we know as the venues of care today to where it'll be. It, their smartphones, their pockets, them internally. Infrastructure and efficiencies, we know how much waste there exists in the $3.5 trillion industry today. How do we capitalize on the opportunities to really address that waste and eradicate waste, supply chain management, revenue cycle management, there is so much waste in the delivery of care. So focus is important, but what's also important is don't just go after a buzzword and a hunch and a lot of funding and say, hey, we got this cool startup with a fancy website and build it on strong academic and scientific rigor. There has to be substance behind the things that you're going for. We're competing with Google upstairs at Bakery Square. We're competing, I mentioned earlier, with Uber and their self-driving car technology. And I tell my staff, I tell my colleagues, you don't have to have a white coat and a stethoscope around your neck to make a difference in the life of a patient. You can be a data analyst, a product engineer, a website designer. You could save someone's life. And we're driven by mission, and that's, it's that mission that the 250 employees of the innovation shop, EPMC Enterprises, are driven by. We try to have fun while making that mission come to life. These are scenes from Bakery Square. I love it when we have our, our pets, our dogs, running all over um, Bakery Square because it just brings uh, an air of like familiarity and, and just it breaks barriers down. The conversations that you start having as a result of the cultural change that we're trying to bring in place is just remarkable. And I think that's the other aspect of revolutionizing the future of healthcare is to address the cultural issues of breaking barriers down, of making sure that you're able to challenge the status quo, call bullshit out when you see bullshit happen. That's really important. Flatten the hierarchy. That's what we're trying to do at UPMC and UPMC Enterprises. A couple of, of our um, 
startups that have come out of UPMC enterprises. Small ones like Curavi Health. We just launched Curavi Health to address some of the dire needs in the long-term care, post-acute care scene. Today, the heights of technology in long-term senior care, post-acute care, is a fax machine. We need to do better than a fax machine. At the other end of the spectrum is our companies like Evalent Health. Right, we started Evalent Health in 2011, and just recently, in the last couple of years, it had an IPO event and was valued at $1.2 billion. Right? So we've got companies left, right, and center addressing mental health, addressing the needs around supply chain, addressing the needs around remote patient monitoring. Focus is really important. So very quickly, I promised you this old world versus new world. How do you reimagine healthcare and paint a bigger picture, a better picture, so that we can all embrace this and move on forward? This is the Gardner hype cycle of emerging technologies. This basically is a typical exhibit show floor <laughs> that talks about buzzwords. You're oftentimes blinded by buzzwords. Right? Quantum computing, smart workforce, augmented data discovery, smart dust, watch that space because it's coming up the hype cycle. And there are other things that are more real than others. Right? Machine learning is coming to be real. Right? You've got augmented reality and virtual reality. So in our booth here at UPMC's booth at South by Southwest, you'll see some remarkable AR features. I think it's really, really cool. You can tell stories like you've never told before. My point in this slide, however, is how do you make sure that all this hype that exists in healthcare is balanced by the hope that you know exists in healthcare. When you go out and get care for yourself or for your loved ones, for your mom, for your kid, you go in at perhaps the most vulnerable times in your lives, balancing that hype and the hope and making it here, bringing it here, making it real, that's the imperative that we all share. Don't take that lightly. Because what we've done is what I showed in that previous slide is we've essentially erected that digital divide that sits between the clinician and the patient. We've made sure that in the last 10, 20 years, because of the good decisions that we've made as a country, as a nation, the incentives around meaningful use that have been put in place, we've seen dramatic adoption, dramatic adoption of electronic health record systems. A tsunami of data hit us today like never before, which is a good thing. But now what? Right? We got to ask and answer the now what question because 44% of the time, my fellow clinicians have their backs faced to the patient as they're typing notes into the EMR, the electronic medical record system, billing, coding, documenting, because that's how they're incentivized today. That's healthcare 1.0, old world. That's today. Dr. Bob Wachter, love him. You got to read his book. Um, the Digital Doctor, he said, I realized that my beloved profession was being turned upside down by technology. How is it that with the millions, the billions that we're spending on technology, technology is more of an impediment to care than it is an enabler of care? How do we change that? So I'll get into this. Old world versus new world. So I promise this to you. And I'm going to run through this really quickly, okay? So old world, we've been designing for regulations. Nothing wrong with obeying the law, because I think that's important. <laughs> and you've got to do that. I'm not saying don't obey the law, all right? Design for regulations, but more importantly, design for empowerment. How do you empower that consumer? How do you empower that patient? How do you empower that clinician to do what they're supposed to be doing? Today... The systems that we've created, the system that we've created causes burnout. 
And this hits home because I have my friends and colleagues, and to be quite honest, my own relatives who are clinicians who are burnt out. How do we design for joy? When was the last time that a clinician was jumping up and down and running to a hospital system in the morning because they're going live with a system? They're like, oh my goodness, I'm so joyous. It's not happening. Today, innovation is about adding. It should really be about simplifying. Today, there's a lot of bureaucracy in healthcare today. Really, a lot of bureaucracy. How do we reward merit? And there's some of, some of this coming. It's this thing called MACRA, which really rewards merit. But rewarding merit should be the new order of the day. Today, we're seeing lots of applications pop up, right? Apps on your phone, apps on my computer screen in the clinic, lots and lots of applications. It shouldn't be application-centric. It should be patient-centric or person-centric, as I mentioned earlier. Today, our goal is interpretation. Patient comes in with a nodule on the left lower quadrant of the breast. We do a mammogram, we do an ultrasound, we do an MRI scan, we do da-da-da-da-da, and we, our goal is what's the interpretation? Is this just calcification or is this cancer? I'm curious, the patient is curious, but that should not be the goal. Our goal should be more of outcomes. How do we focus on the outcomes? What's most important for that patient, for the loved ones in the circle of trust around that patient? Last but not least, today we've been doing digital. Let's do digital, because you know, everyone else is doing digital. <laughs> no, it should be about being digital. How do you capitalize on those petabytes worth of data, the treasure tr troves of zeros and ones that we've like, not managed to unlock from those silos of information systems that we've managed to go live with? Being digital is not just about replicating analog and making things digital. Being digital is about thinking digitally in ways that we could never with the analog culture that we've now managed to bring forward in the digital form in Health 1.0. Being digital is about presenting stories, bringing these stories to life that are locked away in those zeros and ones around that patient, around the population, around their wishes and their aspirations, around evidence-based guidelines and best practices and what works best for that patient and that, for that consumer. So, database. How do you do this on the basis of data? Because that's really important. Data is everywhere. There are stories that are being told everywhere that we're just not listening to. We just don't have the visualization tools today to listen to those stories. Stories about moms, stories about her kid, about the family, about where they live, eat, work, and play. The data, however, that we have access to that we're focusing on today is just the tip of the iceberg. It's the data, the 30 terabytes, petabytes, excuse me, of data that we have. Tip of the iceberg, clinical data, no. The rest of the data that's below the iceberg or data that really speaks to where you eat, work, live, and play. It's data around your eating habits and how you make decisions, how behavior actually changes. When I, as a clinician, prescribe you a med, can you afford the medication? Will you take it? Will it make a difference because you're going to eat that pizza anyway? Right? Behavior change is really important. There's so much more data that we need to be accounting for. 90% of the data in the world has been generated over just, over just the last two years. So how do you really embrace all of that data? How do you really take it to the next level? All right, five quick ways not to get left behind. I'm gonna end with this, okay? Ready for this? So top priorities, top five lists for us at UPMC, but also for my peers really across the industry. A lot of complexity, access to data, security and privacy, oh my goodness, one other breach. Uh, culture, I mentioned that, right? And the new care models. This is the cheat sheet. Right, because there's not a test. 
This is a cheat sheet. So very quickly, I'm going to go through this complexity. I think it's really important for us to focus. I mentioned earlier how focus really is important. But managing complex change is even more important, right? Because healthcare is so darn complex. You need vision, skills, incentives, resources, and an action plans, and, and that's how you get to change. Bear with me for a while, right? So you have everything, vision, skills, incentives, resources, action plan, you get to change. But if you don't have vision and you have everything else, you get to confusion. You have everything else, but you don't have skills. You get to anxiety. Think about this. In your own lives, in the startups that you belong to, in the companies that you belong to, you have everything. You don't have the incentives. You get to resistance. They say resistance is futile. Hey, look, if you don't have the incentives, you get resistance. No change happening. You don't have the resources, you get to frustration. You're banging your head against the wall all the time. No action plan. And you have false starts. That's sort of where we are in healthcare today, right? Lots and lots and lots and lots of false starts. Access to data, it's important to build bridges, right? Connecting big data to big insights, it's not just about those zeros and ones. It really is about making the data actionable, making sure that you're able to change people's minds. It's not just about the data. What it is about is moving from data to information, from information to knowledge, marrying the knowledge with evidence-based guidelines, clinical best practices, protocols, changing behavior. And how you change behavior is through those nudges. So it's less about the data, more about the nudges. Think about that. When you're creating that next killer app, it's not about the data. It's about those nudges. Security and privacy. I put this here primarily because it, it is representative of so many other issues that we face in healthcare today. How do you get on the driver's seat? How do you address the nuances of cybersecurity? How do you make sure that innovation, when done right, makes technology invisible? We got to make the technology stack invisible. We got to make it disappear. Let it disappear. What needs to be brought to fruition is that human interaction between the clinician and the patient, the consumer at the other end. It could be through digital nudges. It could be through a conversation where we're building trust and building a relationship. But making technology invisible is important. Culture. I'm going to spend just one minute on this, but culture is really, really important. You've got to get this right because, look, ladies and gentlemen, this is where healthcare is today. This tremendous boom of a culture clash that exists between, as I mentioned, startups, entrepreneurs, and others that are so much in a hurry and health systems that just aren't, right? Sometimes what happens is this. In fact, most of the time, this is what happens. We're just like, oh, my goodness. Why did we get in the back? Well, look, we didn't really account for culture. We didn't really address that culture clash. What we do in healthcare today, more often than not, is we choose to ignore the culture clash. And we like, you know, let's just go live with that solution anyway. I'm sure it'll just work. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. It'll be just fine. How do we, A, recognize that there is a culture clash, B, capitalize on that culture clash, and C, turn that clash on its head, use that weakness into a strength. And that's part of what we're doing to innovate. By leveraging the principles of design thinking, starting first with empathy, engaging end users in the very design of the solutions before a single line of code is written, we're sitting down in their shoes and understanding, empathizing the specifics of why they're asking for what they're asking. Don't focus on the what, focus on the why. That's really, really important. These are scenes from my innovation shop back at UPMC. 
I say ease of use may be invisible, but its absence sure isn't. Engage, engage, and engage. New care models, I'm going to end with this. It's really important for us to redefine the paradigm and redefine even what health and care is all about. One of the things we're doing is we're discharging our chronically ill patients that come into our hospital with technology. We're co-creating a set of solutions with a company called Vivify Health that we've invested into. And chronically ill patients that come into our hospitals that are ready for discharge, we're not just giving them a bag of pills and a sheet of paper, discharge instructions, that are saying, all right, good luck, see ya, get well soon. We're discharging them with technology. We're risk stratifying them and discharging with them with technology. We're collecting all of their information with their permission from their apps and devices and patient-generated data, patient inputs. All of that goes into an intelligent hub. And before the patient falls off the guardrails and ends up back into our emergency departments, which happens all the time with chronically ill patients, all the time, it happens all the time, predictably, we're able to figure out that that patient is about to fall off the guardrails, and we're able to intervene and get that patient back on the circle of wellness. We don't ever want that patient back in our hospitals ever again if we can help it. That's our goal. And patients are saying, I did everything that I wanted to. Not you, the clinician, not you, the system, but I. Patients' preferences, their desires, their motivators, their aspirations, their dreams. How do we get to that? Healthcare shouldn't just be about surviving, it should be about thriving. It's not just about adding years to life, but adding life to years. If our beds are filled, it means that we've failed. How do we build to that future? Ladies and gentlemen, the way we build to that future is by building bridges. Bridging the old world to the new world, br bridging those brilliant ideas to great solutions that'll make a difference in the lives of those patients. Bridging the technologies and the passion that you have to the impediment to the care, to the need that we have to make a difference in the lives of those patients that we're treating day in and day out. Let's build more bridges. Let's connect. Let's make sure that the future of health is where it needs to be. Thank you. This was the special edition of Faces of Digital Health. Quite a few next episodes will come from South by Southwest. The next one is on blockchain in healthcare. And some other topics coming up are precision medicine, digital health in China, applications of virtual reality to medicine. Stay tuned. Share the podcast, subscribe to it, so each episode will be downloaded automatically and you don't have to think about when the next one is published. And if you have a minute, take some time to read the podcast. It will be a big help to push it closer to other entrepreneurs, innovators, and curious minds in the space.